Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Adam and Eve sin. The sin nature that man never was created with ruined the DNA for every one of us. Today, my natural tendency is me, myself, and I. Same for you. Until I realize I can't do life. I have to have God. I have to have His forgiveness. There's no way to have shalom with me leading my life. How foolish. But Satan continues to tempt us to do life apart from God. No one can serve two masters. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Today, Pastor Mark says we need to ask ourselves this question. Are you living for God or living for the world? He says you need to be sure because there's no in-between. God is jealous for his children and he refuses to share us with Satan and the world. He's jealous for us because he loves us so much and has our best interest in mind. Friend, if someone or something is luring your affections and attention away from God, leave them right now and come running back to Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 2, with his continuing study entitled, The Dangers of a Selfie Lifestyle. He knows our hearts. How dare we try to play God? By the way, those people that you initially judged, you probably didn't tell them, but later you were embarrassed because they might be your best friend now. Ah, in fact, some of you married that person. <laughs> what a great sense of humor. Don't ever admit it. Please don't admit it now. I don't have time for more marriage counseling. Now, See, that's what James is trying to say to us. How dare you judge because we don't know the real motives behind people. Only God does. So here's another Sela moment for all of us. Answer this question yourself this morning. By your words and attitude, do you normally build people up? Or is your normal habit to tear people down? down. If you're self-righteous, if you're critical, if you have no peace yourself, you'll tear people down and pretty soon you will be a very lonely, bitter, angry, isolated person. But if you build people up, people will want to be around you because they like to be built up. We all want to be liked. We all want people to like us. We all want people to look beyond our faults. Every one of us can be critical. We're humans. We've got all kinds of faults. But for people to build us up is an encouraging thing to do.
Now, go back to James chapter 4. You're there. Scoot on back to verse 2 where we pick it up. A change in what James is speaking about. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Here's the reason. Why am I not getting what I want? You do not have because you do not ask God. So, selfie danger number four is this. You're trying to do life by yourself. You're trying to make everything happen by yourself. You're trying to see if you can't put all the pieces together and it's impossible. You can't do life without God. So you're not going to get the things you want. Here's selfie danger number four. Ineffective prayer life. Often the reason we don't pray is we're prideful. God, I don't need to do with that. I'll just do my own deal. I'll selfie myself. Other times we don't pray because we have the wrong concept of God. We think God is stingy and angry. Maybe some of you are new to church and, or you were in church and you were in a church and everything was always wrong and you knew God was always, there's no fun, there's no joy in life. No, that's totally a lie. Many of you think God's distant, that he's not at all interested in you. No, God says this, he's generous. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Everything that you have is good comes from God. Psalm 37, 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If I put God first, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Now, when you see that, the question is, well, how do I actually get those things that I want? Let me show you how you do it. Jesus gave us the answer. Here it is. We find it in the book of Matthew. Look at it. I'm going to ask you when I get down to the last four words for everybody to say it together at campuses. So if you sinful people, talking to us who are Christians, but we're not perfect, know how to give good gifts to our kids, we take care of our kids. If you know how to do that, how much more will your heavenly Father, God, give good gifts, things we want, to, here we go, everybody, to those who, who what? Ask Him. What is ask? It's prayer. Here's what you want to write. Ineffective prayer is what? Not praying. I don't have because I don't pray. I'm doing life on my own. I can actually do it. Now, when I really get in trouble, do we pray? Oh, do we pray. And we get on Facebook and we ask everybody. But normally in everyday life, we just don't pray. One of the things I want to challenge you with, one of the things I try to do, because I have the same problem as you do, when I pray for the weekends... Here's what I'm, this weekend, here's what I'm praying for. People will come to Christ because they don't have peace. People will be saved in all of our services. People will come back to God. They're far away. And number three, marriages will be restored and healed as I'm speaking because of these words. People that have allowed the enemy to come in and bitterness and anger and families will be restored, relationships will be restored, personal kind of things will come. I, I pray that from God specifically. Now, some people will say this, I do pray, but God didn't answer me. So James tells us why. Look at verse three. When you ask, when I do pray, you do not receive. You don't get the answer to prayer. Because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Here's the second part of ineffective prayer. Ineffective prayer life, wrong motives, selfish praying. James says, 
We often pray with the wrong motive. We, we pray selfishly. We're trying to use God to get what I want. But prayer is not about God giving me what I want. Prayer is about me getting what God wants for me. Now, let me show you how it works. When you pray in the morning, I often have to go to the Lord's Prayer to pray. Because the Lord's Prayer starts like this. Our Father, who art in heaven. Who's the focus of my prayer initially? Is it me or God? It's God. What is my prayer without that? Okay, God, I had 43 meetings today. I need your wisdom. I need your help. And by the way, that new car that I'm looking at, uh, I'm a selfie. If I don't put God first, I'm a selfie. It's all about me. No, I, I need to put God first. I want to praise him. I want to thank him. And see, when I do that, why do I not have to put my requests first? Why do I not have to do that? Because the Bible tells us he already knows what we need. No, I'm going to tell him because he wants to communicate. But be careful, your prayers, your prayer life isn't a selfie one. Now, I've discovered this. God's will is always best. Don't pray for your will. Well, Pastor Margaret says, uh, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Yeah, when you delight yourself in the Lord, you say this to God. God, I want what you want. And he'll give it to you because that's his will. Don't think that your will's good. No, his will's best. Now, when we come to verse four, what if I'd stand this morning and say this? You adulterous people. <laughs> Whoa. God gave me a word of knowledge. We're going to go down the row now. Now, it could be that some of you are committing adultery. But God's already spoken to you about that. That's a sin that's going to destroy your marriage. Come on home. Come back to the home. But when James says those very words that we're going to read, he's not talking about physical adultery. He's talking about spiritual adultery. Let me explain it to you first, then you'll see it. In the Old Testament, God created a nation called Israel. It's the nation we see. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, what happened is those people were supposed to represent God, make God look good. But they went to idols, and he called that spiritual adultery. He was married to his people. When you became a Christian, you and I are the bride of Christ. We're married to God and to Jesus. And spiritual adultery is putting someone in place of God in our life, of Jesus. Let's look at the verse. Here we are, James chapter 4, verse 4. All of our campuses, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Now remember, the world system we're talking about is the, the evil system, the system designed by Satan, and that system is always run with selfishness. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses, it's always a matter of choice, to be a friend of the world, this is pretty bold, becomes an enemy of God. So write this down this morning. It's our last selfie. Selfie danger number five. Trying to love God and love the world at the same time. Adultery here is spiritual unfaithfulness of believers. Common theme, as I told you. 
Watch these verses, one from the old and one from the new. Watch this. Here we go. Jeremiah 3.20. But you have become unfaithful to me. God speaking to the nation of Israel. You people of Israel, you've been like a faithless wife committing adultery, going and serving idols, who leaves her husband, me, God. I, the Lord, have spoken. Well, now you say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor Mark. Here's New Testament. Same principle. Romans 7, 4. Therefore, my brethren, talking to the Christians, you have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another. We, we don't go to the law, rules and regulations. We have a personal relationship with God. You have been married to another, to him who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit of God. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. We're married to God. And so we're to remain faithful to him. Now, This world system is interesting because the world's lifestyle is selfish. It's me-centered. It's not other-centered. James is talking to believers who are trying to serve God, but they're really living in the world. Their lifestyle is over here. It's a selfish world. They want God when they want God, but they don't want God most of the time. We're talking about people that have drifted in their walk with God. Now, I want you to see how powerful this is and where our problem comes from. I want you to write this down. It'll it'll sound stupid to write it down. It'll seem ridiculous, but it's very important you understand this. Watch this. The world system is ruled by Satan, the original selfie. When Satan was in heaven, he was a worshiper, created to be a worship leader. Here's what Satan said. I want to be God. From that came the fall of Satan. One-third of the angels fell, demons today. He went to Eve and said, Eve, if you'll eat of that fruit, you can be like God. Adam and Eve sinned. The sin nature that man never was created with ruined the DNA for every one of us. Today, my natural tendency is me, myself, and I. Same for you. Until I realize I can't do life. I have to have God. I have to have his forgiveness. There's no way to have shalom with me leading my life. How foolish. But Satan continues to tempt us to do life apart from God. That's what James is saying. Now James heard his brother Jesus say this. I'll just kind of summarize it for you. No one can serve two masters. You're either going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, Jesus said the very same thing James just said. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Think about that. Whoa. So what did Jesus do? He drew a line in the sand. Here's the kingdom of God. I'm serving God. Here's the kingdom of Satan. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm not serving God, but I'm not serving Satan. Deceived. There's only two kingdoms. If you're not in the kingdom of God, you are in the kingdom of Satan. He's the greatest deceiver. Oh, no, I'm doing my thing. No, you're doing his thing. You can't do both. If I'm in this world, I'm an enemy of God. If I'm in this world, I'm a friend of God. The choice is pretty easy, but it's difficult because we have a sin nature. So Jesus draws this line, 
and basically gives us this question that I wrote for you. Here it is. Take your pick. Are you married to God? Or are you married to the world? There is no in-between. There is no in-between. You need to be sure. Those of you that have kind of walked away from God, you're playing over here, it's time to come home. You need to make a rededication to God. You've drifted from where you know you need to be. And because of that, you're pursuing stuff, but there's no peace. Those of you that have never been a Christian, welcome. Glad you're here. This is a place to change your life. You can have peace with God. Your sin currently separates you. And then you can have the peace of God. No matter what our world does, you can have the peace of God. It's your choice. Now, look at verse 5. Interesting verse, crazy term. I'm going to read it in the New King James. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Now, James doesn't have any kind of specific Old Testament reference. It's a general concept in Scripture. Here's what it means. Because I'm married to God, God is jealous for me. Jealousy isn't all wrong if it's right in a spiritual sense. God is jealous for me. Let me give you an illustration using my wife. If I see some man trying to draw my wife's affections away from me, I have the right as her husband to be jealous for my wife. Could I hear an amen? Now, God gave her to me. We're in a lifetime relationship as one. God feels the very same way about his relationship with his wife, the church, about you and about me. He refuses to share the children, his children, with Satan in the world. God knows that Satan's goals, when we play over here, is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's jealous for us. God is jealous because he has your best interests in mind. When I see my wife, if that was my wife and this guy's coming, I'm jealous because I have our interests, my wife's interests. Adultery, any kind of fornication, any kind of that kind of playing around with it, long term is not good for any of us. Adultery destroys. When God sees his children playing over here, he's jealous for us because he loves us. He says, you keep playing over there. It isn't good for you. Come on home. He knows the end result. The end result over here is no peace. It's time to come home. Now, whatever, whoever is luring your affections today, if it's not God, come on home. Don't suffer. Now, next week I'm going to give you lots of solutions to these, but I'm ready for a solution this morning. Anybody ready for a solution this morning? I'm ready for a solution. Let's look at verse 6. At all of our campuses, Vieira, Sebastian, those online, how how am I going to get through all this mess? Because we're human. Nobody here would admit being a selfie, but we kind of, every day, are a little selfie. But he gives more, say it with me, more what? More grace. That is why scripture said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Wow. I love what James said. James knows exactly. Remember, this is 2,000 years ago. James knows that every single Christian is a work in progress. James knows that you and me, our old sin nature, 
kind of bends to selfishness. It just it kind of heads that way. And, and I love pride. And I like to be better than other people. Don't look at me that way. So do you. And because of all of that, I think it, there's times I can just live independent from God. For me, an older guy, but I'm still young at heart, baby. <laughs> Don't worry. When you and I are selfish, there's no peace. I can't live without no peace. There's too much turmoil in the world. I need that peace. So how do I get the peace? It's the grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor. Did I deserve it? No. When I came to Christ, grace, God's grace allows me to be and do what God designed me to be and do. He knows I'm selfish. He knows I'll fail, but he forgives me. Oh, how he loves us. He's jealous for us. You see, we sin in so many ways, but when we ask forgiveness... Now, I want you to look at the verse again. Who does God... Look at the verse. Let's, let's be Bible students. Who does God give grace to? To who? Does God give grace to prideful people? There's your answer. Well, what, are, what is a humble person? A humble person is the person that admits they're wrong, they need to repent, and they turn their life over to God. You don't do it, there's no grace. I, I think Jesus died on the cross naked was pretty humbling. And he did it so you and I'd be free. God loves you this morning. He didn't come to condemn you this morning. He came to give you grace and restore you to come back home to God. Now, I want to leave you with this verse. Here it is, Colossians. Colossians 3.15. And let the peace, the shalom, let the peace that comes from Christ, peace doesn't come from the world, rule. Rule means like an umpire. It, it rules your hearts. For as members of one body, we're not selfies. The church is one another. We're doing this together. As members of one body, you are called to not have peace, but to live in peace in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships, at work, in the church, in every area, within yourself. We're called to live in peace and always be not critical, not negative, not looking down, not talking down, but be thankful. Because without the grace of God, you and I can close the door now, walk out, never walk into this church again because we have no chance to go to heaven. You didn't deserve it. You're not good enough. I wasn't. The reason I'm here today is because I was saved by grace and I'm kept by God's grace. Oh, how he loves us. He's jealous for us. Okay, since we've come to the end of this powerful section of Scripture in the book of James, let's recap what we've learned from Pastor Mark. He identified one of the biggest roadblocks in the Christian life to be selfishness. He's narrowed it down to five areas of sin. He's labeled selfie dangers. One, conflict with your inner self. Two, conflict with others. Three, self-righteousness. Four, ineffective prayer life. And five, spiritual adultery. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will provide a biblical solution for the problem that plagues every Christian in one way or another, selfishness. He'll teach that when we repent and ask for forgiveness for our selfish lifestyles, God honors that with peace in our lives, our homes, our churches, and our relationship with Him. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of James. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in 